Welcome to the 52 Pearls Weekly Money Wisdom Podcast. I'm Melissa Joy, a certified financial planner and founder of Pearl Planning. And I'm Melissa Friedenberg, financial advisor with Pearl Planning. Pearl Planning is a financial planning and investment management company located in Dexter and Gross Point, Michigan. We work with clients all around the country. The purpose of our podcast is to explore specific financial topics and provide advice you can use in your everyday life. Welcome to another episode of 52 Pearls, the weekly money wisdom podcast. This is Melissa Fradenberg in the Gross Point office. And today we have for a second time, Karen Divis. Welcome, Karen. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. And Karen is a mom, reporter, and author of super cool history books like Better Made in Michigan, Witch of Del Rey, and Secret Detroit. So we are so pleased to have her here. And what many of our listeners may not know about Karen, because it's not in her official bio online, is that she is also a finance nerd and loves to uh, talk all things finance and is actually a budget extraordinaire. We had her last time talking about her uh, budgeting for the holiday spending but our listeners loved it so much. And I really wanted to have her back just to talk about general family budgeting. So really this topic comes up quite a bit uh, with everyone from people who are struggling just to make ends meet to those clients that wanna do a financial plan or invest that are making several hundred thousand dollars who just have no idea what's coming in and what's going out. So Karen, if we could just start off by talking about you know, maybe some of the challenges that we face when it comes to just running a household on a monthly basis. So, you know, maybe where you started and where you are now, and then we'll kind of dig a little bit deeper. So what are some of the things that you've kind of evolved with? I think that's absolutely correct that I think no matter how much you make, whether you are entry level, because as a reporter, I was the ultimate entry level job where I made, I think my first job was 17,000 a year to where you are at the peak of your earning potential, you need to know where your dollars are going and put them to work for you. Because literally there's no one else in the world that cares about your finances the way you do and wants to see you succeed. So you need to think about where every dollar goes. And that's so I had to budget right away from the beginning. Uh, My parents actually sat me down when I showed them my employment letter and it said $17,000. And they said, oh, you poor thing, let's figure out how are you going to live off of that? Because they knew the challenges of finding a rent and paying for groceries, a car, all those kind of common expenses would be on that kind of salary. And so that's something I kind of had to establish an early discipline for. And now let me interrupt you, if you don't mind me asking, if it's not too personal. So you started off, you got this letter saying you'd make $17,000 and now your parents sat you down, but were you living with them or were you literally going out and finding a place and living on your own on 17,000? Yeah, that was me going out, moving out of their house and getting an apartment in a very small community that had very affordable places. So that helped, but I was going to be, I think I was an hour and a half or two hours away when I would move out. So they knew that they couldn't really come in and save the day. And I would need to be able to understand that there were basic expenses that had to be met every month. And so savings was going to be at a very small level, but they had always instilled that in me. 
They were very thrifty people who got to retire in their mid-50s. And so looking at the success rate that they had, I thought, okay, whatever advice they're going to offer, I'm going to at least take and, and consider. And it helped immensely because some of the basics um, cannot change. They're your biggest expenses. And if you get those right, everything else can kind of flow from it. So understanding that I needed to find maybe a roommate or I had to find a inexpensive rent that could allow me to then have a little extra money to be able to cover other important things to me. You know, like I wanted to be able to do some travel or go out with friends. If I had spent too much on housing and I was borrowing their car yet still paying them for it, if I had a monster car payment, I wouldn't have any leftover with that small of a salary. So that's why I think it's so key when you're thinking about saving money or budgeting or just understanding where your dollars are going is recognizing that there's going to be some immovable objects in your life and you got to work with them and give yourself tons of grace. I think that's the biggest thing with budgeting is that it's a monthly activity. It's not a permanent thing. And I think that's what overwhelms people. It's the first is like, I'm always going to make 17,000 a year and I'll never improve. Well, no, this is just your starting point or it's your first budget. It's going to be extremely flexible and it's going to change every 30 days or so. So don't feel like you are locked in and that it's a permanent document that ties you down. It's the opposite. All your best budgeters, in my opinion, really emphasize that it sets you free and it gives you security and it gives you insights to what your values and priorities are. So it's really an interesting living document that you use kind of as you need it, but you do need it. There, there's a reason why the main uh, budgeting software out there that a lot of people are, are like super fans of is called You Need a Budget because yeah. it's literally a need. It shouldn't be a, maybe I'll do it. It really should be something you're thinking about uh, pretty early on. So yeah, when I moved out, it was essential that I had some sort of baseline understanding of where money was going to be spent. So you and, had your parents set you down and you had like pen and paper. I mean, that's all we had. Oh yeah. Then. <laughs> oh yeah. It was, it was very old school, but they made it clear. Like you have between this much and this much for rent. So when you start searching, this is all you can go up to. So don't get all excited that you're going to get this, you know, house hunters, you know, giant budget and go crazy with it. No, you'll be lucky if you get a one bedroom. Or you're going to need a roommate that's going to be able to, you know, share kitchens with you or something. So there was different criteria that I had that helped me narrow down my choices. And that's another thing that I think budgets are great for is really showing you this is all I got. So this is all I can do. And it's not limiting. It's actually liberating again. So I, I love that aspect of what we did in that exercise. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I'm with you there. Um, I do sometimes feel that people are hesitant to do a budget because they sometimes feel it's like a diet, like it limits you, but it actually, like you said, it actually frees up some money. It's like, this is where we're going to find where that extra money comes from to save for this big budget item, the thing you want, or for that long-term savings of retirement. Like you want to retire someday. We, the, I can't pull money out of a hat. We have to pull it out of the money that's coming in that you're spending every month. So we're going to stop spending it by figuring out like what that extra is that we can put away. So that's, I love that idea that it's like, it's freeing. It's your money. We just have to pay you first. And for people that are, I don't want to say anti-budget, but 
one of the biggest things that I recommend if people are just really hesitant to do a monthly budget is to figure out what that extra is and take it away before they can spend it. Right. Yeah. So, so we just take it away. Like, let's just figure it out one time and then we'll take it away and put it in an account that you can't touch that you have no like check writing from or no debit card from, and we'll just stash it away until you have at least six months of emergency savings and it'll sneak up on you and you won't even know that it's there because you can't. Yeah. I am a huge advocate for automating the savings and taking it away from yourself because that's what I had to do initially. And that's what I continue to do even now, you know, 20 plus years later is that if you set it aside in an account, like you say, with limited access, or you can only get to it via your laptop versus your smartphone, where you can change it for a deposit or, you know, take money out. Those kind of accounts, I think, are brilliant because then you have that security and reliance on that the money's there. So if you have a 401k that automatically takes it out, then anything else you do, like a, a Roth IRA, is a bonus. Well, you got to have that baseline. So you got to have that automated savings. Like when I was getting married, I had $100 taken out of every paycheck for like two years or however long our engagement was. I don't think it was that long. Where that way it built up over time and I could not touch that account. It was a slow, less painful process. And so the same thing would you know, be a great way for retirement kids' college funds, an emergency fund, those pillars, those those legs of the stool of your basic savings, if you automate them and get them done first, you're going to feel like amazing afterward. It's, It's always painful to lose that extra spending cash at first. People sometimes mistake savers for people that don't want to spend money. We want to spend money. We just realize the importance of savings. There's like a total... It is in our nature, and I empathize with people that have trouble saving. So it's totally, um, it's not one or the other. But talk to me. So, so you've evolved from this lower paying job where you had to literally follow every penny and save every penny in order to just eat, sounds like, you know, and pay rent. And then how did that evolve as your income went up? And, and then you mentioned, you know, when you got engaged, you were saving, you know, some money setting aside for um, the wedding or what other other things. So as you were earning more and saving for some specific things, how did that evolve? Yeah, it really took a clear eye view of as our income went up, then my number of goals went up and I really wanted to fund those goals. So got married, had a couple kids. So now I want to have college savings. And it was not a time when I could save as well. We were still early in our careers and you say to yourself, we need every penny to to survive. Well, that $25 a month that went into the 529 account didn't hurt as much as I thought. So let's continue to do that. And it, it became baby steps or little tiny amounts, just little tiny amounts that in theory, aren't going to grow much when you're doing it, you think. Only if it's a long-term goal, such as college, retirement, and in some cases, emergency savings, little tiny amounts add up to a lot. So that's one philosophy I I used kind of this, this early stage as well, was I might not be able to do as much as the advisements say. So in the case of a college fund, 
realistically, if I wanted to pay 100% of my kids' colleges, I needed to put away $400 a month. And there was just no way that was going to happen. At that stage, though, I could do $25 and it was enough. It got me started. It, it made the habit and it made the savings clear to me, you know, because I could put $25 into my budget and I knew that was going to come out. So I didn't spend it. But now over time, my, my child is 16 and I've got, I think, around three quarters of his college saved for just through those little tiny amounts initially. Now, as our income grew, we did increase that budget item. And so now it's larger, but it was little tiny movements early on. And I think that's one thing that people should think about as they're planning a budget or thinking ahead is that it's okay to adjust these numbers. They, they can be small or large, and then you size them to what's going on in your life. Because again, if it's a, it's a fluid monthly document, it doesn't need to be set in stone. You I love can, that. And I love that because a couple of things. One, these calculators, they're just guesstimates. They're also inflating at a rate that I don't feel is sustainable. I mean, especially after COVID and all this online stuff. I mean, there's no way that after getting an online education for the last year and a half, a lot of these places are going to be able to continue to inflate the cost of college. I don't feel is... Um, possible, but also the idea that, you know, one, the market has worked a lot of times in people's favor. The idea of dollar cost averaging, this $25 a month really helps putting a little bit in, getting different pricing. But then also the defeatist mentality. If some people are so scared, they see this big number, I need 350000 to send both kids to college. I'm just never going to have that, right? So I'm just not going to do it. They'll go to community college, they'll pay, you know, they'll they won't go to college, they'll go to trade school, they'll whatever. But the idea that you said, well, I can't do that, but I can do this little bit and I'll increase it later. And then all of a sudden you look, your kid's 16 and you're, you're almost there. That's awesome. Yeah. I That's love something that. we made a decision for a kind of schooling as well, where they, I was going to have to pay for pretty much their entire primary school. So I we chose a private school where I knew I'd have two kids at the same time. So that was my biggest savings mountain was those two years when they would both be in high school that we would have to have a tuition payment. And that took two years to save for. And now, do I recommend doing that? No, I think I was crazy to be quite honest, but it was a security thing, you know, that because I work from home and my income is variable, I wanted to have that pile of cash there because it not only symbolized emergency fund, like a secondary emergency fund to my primary emergency fund, because I'm that person, but it symbolized, hey, if there's a job loss, if there's a pandemic, or if best case scenario, my kid actually goes to that school, which ended up happening, both have enrolled in, in a private high school situation. I've got those two years sitting there waiting and yes, it took a long time and a ton of discipline to get it there, but it was small amounts each time. It wasn't like I made $10,000 deposits. It's, it's quite the opposite. They were $350 deposits. They were $150 deposits that just was with, with that acknowledgement that I had a short-term goal that needed to be funded monthly. And I just put whatever extra I made into it. I, I was lucky. I have a freelance position where... I can work as much as I want, let's say. And so small amounts ended up with a big outcome, 
again. So I, I really advise people like, especially with goals that seem insurmountable, that there is a way to look at them in smaller chunks and maybe again with shorter term views. I was like, well, I don't need this money this month so I can put it into the savings. 150 here, 350 there. Months that we needed it, we used it. Mm-hmm. This There was no funding the savings that month. We had an emergency. We had a repair on the house. Uh, our appliance broke. Those things are supposed to happen in a normal life. And that money wasn't being used um, immediately. And I could variable how much I saved. And it really does help you give that steam release, that, that valve that says, this doesn't every month have to happen or I will die. And once again, that, that, that concept that your budget has to be a partner to you and it has to kind of support what you want to have happen that month. Like for me, savings comes after the, 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 the safety things, housing, clothing, food, but it doesn't have to be the be all end all. But I will tell you that mountain of getting that big amount of cash saved for their high schools, once it was accomplished, it was amazing the security and peace it brought me. That if my husband um, lost his job, if you know something awful happened in our life, my kids could still do what they you know needed to do. There was a end goal, and it really was exciting because if they had chosen not to use that private tuition, it could then go into their college fund. If they don't go to college, that money can then send them on a great world trip before they go to their trade school or, you know, the, 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 the flexibility, if you put it into different kinds of accounts of this savings, you don't have to tie it down to one thing either. So if, if life changes, people can understand that their savings change with that too, might help them have a better mindset about budgeting and saving as well. Now, how do you label these different things? Like, so are you putting them into different accounts or how? Now, I admit I'm fanatical about my little pots of money, as I put it. So I literally have each thing labeled or in a separate account. Share, nerd out. Like this is, I want to hear, this isn't for everybody. No, but. I understand that, but I want to hear how you label them because some people might, I I, kind of like how you earmark things because that's exciting to me. I think that motivates people like these different things that, that excites me. Like, I feel like that would, that would help me reach these little goals to kind of see the little, like where you're squirreling them away. I think of like, a oh, yeah. of like these nuts are for, you know, October and these are going to be for December and these are going to be for. Yeah. I don't, I don't think know. there's <laughs> ever been a, a better time for people like me that have to have it set aside and look at it to get motivated. So like these apps are amazing for helping you uh, get your goals. So whether you use um, YNAB, you need a budget. You can set up categories for your savings. It can still be all in one pot, for example, but you can name that this is where the money's going to go for, for one way. Um, I use a app called Capital, but with a Q instead of a C. So Q-A-P-I-T-A-L, if I'm spelling that right. It is in one account. It just sits there, one big lump, but the way they created the app is you can see how different goals are funded and the individual amounts that you want to set aside. So I would like to get my daughter a laptop when she goes to high school. So I created a laptop account. 
and I can see, is it funded? Um, how much more do I have to go? And then when I reach milestones, the app actually creates little celebrations for me. Oh, you're, at nine, you're at 90%. You're almost there. Um, and you can get those kind of updates on a regular basis so that you feel the joy of reaching that milestone. And the money has a little friction to move it out so that when you want to take it out for use, like a new dishwasher or um, one of my other savings goals is for uh, new flowers for the front yard every spring. There's a, a moment where you have to really think about it. They're like, are you sure you want to transfer this money? Okay. And that friction helps you go, okay, maybe I could, you know, maybe get this at a lower cost, or maybe I don't have to spend the full amount this year. Like I, I was able to barter some flowers with friends. And so that whatever, let's say hundred dollars I had set aside ended up going into my tree trimming account instead. So I was able to save the money because they created that friction for me for that just half a second. I was like, well, I could just split some flowers with somebody else. Now, I grant you, I am the cheapest human being on earth, apparently just listening to myself talk. But I like apps that kind of make you question yourself and give some um, reminders that with the ease of the credit card industry of just swiping, or putting my phone against the um, checkout stand, and that's how easy it is to spend your money. Friction means everything to me because yeah. I was, I'm not a cash person. I'm a card person. And they've made it so easy and mindless to spend money that if I can create that moment where I have to really think about all the time and effort that went into earning that money, and now I'm going to spend it willy-nilly on you know, a plant I might kill. <laughs> There's ways to kind of help yourself set up disciplines that will ensure your spending stays in line with your goals. And that's one of the things I think a credit card statement does for you. I still get them via paper versus email because when I open that paper statement and see how much we spent on pizza, I have to really question myself. Like, And it, it lets you kind of balance, okay, I did spend this money. It's gone. But did it go where I wanted it to go? Did the ends meet what I wanted? And are we spending too much in areas that we can't even remember? So that's a big thing for me too about budgeting is I want the money that my husband and I work so hard to earn, make sure that it does exactly what you want it to do and it just doesn't slip away. You know, not having a budget is where you lose that control of it. And I admittingly am controlling. But at the same time, I enjoy seeing the money go to work and make more money. And, and yeah. those are the fun moments. Or when I can pay the credit card bill because I thought ahead, because I knew we'd need a new dishwasher and I set aside the money. So when that, that, that six, dollars $800 item shows up on my credit card bill and the money's sitting there to pay it, there's no greater joy over big business and corporate greed than me just having the money ready to go. Um, so I see all these little things are gamification of my budget is how I see it. I'm making it enjoyable. I'm turning personal finance into kind of a me against the system sometimes, however you want to do it. Yeah. And I think straight budgeting is a hindrance sometimes. So you got to kind of find ways or tools that will make it fun for you. Um, if that's a Google spreadsheet, great. If it's a piece of paper, great. If it's every dollar mint or personal capital, you know, all these different tools that are out there. Have at it. 
Um, so that's why I think a lot of trial and error and setting up systems and kind of figuring out what works for you um, really will create a end game where you see that your money is marching along in the formation you put it in. No, I like that idea. And I definitely encourage people to do that too. It's, it's you've got to find a system that works for you. I mean, I can share what works for me and I wanted you to come on and share what works for you. And I do think some that will resonate with people, whether it's capital or capital, however they say it. Um, I think that's a great system. Again, see, you know, a little bit of friction on money going out that's earmarked for something else is super helpful for people. And then again, that idea of, just looking at a, a physical credit card statement and seeing things like kind of, oh, we're spending a lot on pizza. For me, it's probably J. Crew. Whatever that is, that that you're spending too much money, a certain item that you just want to, you know, I call it the Marie Kondo method. When you look at, you know, certain things that don't bring you joy, what expenses yep. when you look back at did not bring you joy? If you can't even remember what it was you purchased, probably didn't bring you joy. And we all have those on a monthly basis. Look back, you know, if, if you're not, if you're honest with me and you say, you know, it's kind of like when I go to the dentist, I'm not a flosser. If I didn't eat corn on the cob or steak and it's not stuck in my teeth, I am not, I'll be honest with you. I'm not going to floss every night. I'm just not going to happen. So if you're going to tell me like, listen, Melissa, I will figure out what's coming in and what's going out and what I can potentially save every month, but I'm not, I'm not going to manage every dollar coming in and going out. It's just not who I am. Do me a favor and just look and say, what did I spend money on last month that really I shouldn't have or I regret and do better next month yep. so that when you go to swipe that card at the checkout and you're saying, this is something that I spent last month that really didn't bring me joy. Do I really need to do it again? And it's that conscious decision to do better, to spend less on this type of an expense because you are going to save to do something in the future that's going to bring you more joy. If you don't want to get into the weeds and you aren't a personal finance geek, you don't like this minutia, that is more than fine. But if you just want to break it down into those big general numbers, that to me is as equally useful and good. You know, there's no judgment zone to budgeting. I think it's it should be you find what is working even for a short period of time. Maybe you have a lot of flux in your, your life for a year because you're taking care of a parent or there could be situations where you just need to survive. Just do simple. And then later on, if you do say, hey, you know, things have settled down. We have these really big goals. How are we going to meet them? That means monthly savings versus just occasional. Like there, there are seasons where you're going to be really mindful and there are seasons where you're just going to have to go on autopilot. And both are okay. So I think that, yeah, giving people permission to say, I too am not a flosser, but I do, like you say, try to use better toothbrushes or different practices. Get, get to the end thing. I want to have good health. I want to have good finances. And, and who, how do I become that person? Well, that takes me going backwards steps and figuring out how does that person happen? You know, find someone in your life who is a good budgeter and maybe talk to them about how they do it or, you know, find a, a tool or a resource like a personal finance expert yourself, you know, like look for these resources in life that also will help you along your way. Because I think a lot of this is not natural to us. And we are a species that just survives a lot of times, you know, we, we get enough food to eat and then we're fine. Yeah. Or... We, we seek sugar because it's the easiest to digest, that kind of thing. 
think about budgeting a little bit each month, you know, make it a fun date with a spouse where you go out and you have coffee together and talk about the budget, you know, make it light and easy and, and just get into it a little bit. You know, the, the, the end goal of it is so worth it. And I think that's the, the main thing for me too, is like, I am so excited about where I am right now because the budget and the, the savings have gotten us to where we can start talking about retirement in maybe eight years. Like that is amazing. Who knew I could ever, this little punk journalist who made nothing. The time I would like to touch kind of this idea of sort of next level. So you get to this level, you, you start out by just kind of having a budget and then maybe you get more advanced using one of these apps. And I like the idea of you've actually advanced it to almost anticipating future budget items. So you've, Say you've gotten good and and you want to take your budget to the next level where you anticipate future items like holiday spending in the future, or you you know certain items um, that come up every year, seasonal, if you will. So could you touch on that, kind of how you anticipate those and save in advance? Yeah, I think you do that short-term and long-term. So I look at once a month, what's coming up in those 30 days that absolutely has to get funded. And so that can be really small stuff like kids camp uh, don't, you know, funds, or it could be something as simple as, hey, you know, we really need to get a lawn service for this month because we're going to be out of town. So those are your short term funding. Okay, this month, where can I move some money around that I normally would have spent um, and make sure there's some funding for that. And then it's the big ones, the longer term ones that can be anywhere from, you know, six months from now, we have to buy a new refrigerator to in 12 years, we're going to have to send the kid to college. Those are where I think your sinking funds are just a godsend. And I love them because you can step it in small amounts and get to the big goal. And there's lists on the internet. YNAB also creates these fantastic lists from talking to its employees and customers to help you figure out what are those goals that that you may not think about. So like I have a car fund that not only goes toward buying a new car, but in the short term, that covers my license renewals, my plate renewal, because those can be pretty costly. That's two, $300 a year, but also can go toward car repairs and oil changes. So really it's that 30 day, maybe three years, maybe 10 years you know, goals. And you can fund them through these little accounts And it's just thoughtfulness. It's giving yourself a gift, your future self, that gift of saying, hey, future self, I see where you might feel stress about money. Um, Future self, I know that I hate these kitchen cabinets and I want to repaint them. And I'll go get the estimate, like let's say it's $3,000. And I can't live with this for more than two more years. And then you just do that simple math. Okay, well, how much do I have to set aside over 24 months to get to $3,000? And just knowing that future self is going to reach her goal can be super motivating. And again, you don't have to do it every month if it doesn't work out. But having these kind of like priority talks with your kids and your spouse or figuring out what you as an individual really dream about and want and setting up individual savings goals to meet those, they can get overwhelming because literally you can have three dozen sinking funds if you really want to, but maybe you just prioritize one or two 
or you, you know, in my case, I think I have nine at the moment. Okay. And I like it just that. Makes me extraordinarily happy. I've actually switched around different apps because they only typically think someone's going to want four, but apparently I'm the outlier and I need nine. So you're but saying they, they actually don't have enough of these things? Oh yeah. I had to switch from uh, my bank offered a savings app, um, but I didn't have enough. It only offered four. And I was like, "Uh uh-uh, I have all these little pots of money that I need to make me feel like I'm in charge of my money. And that's where, again, I searched out and just tried all sorts of different things until I found one that really was comfortable and motivating. And again, when I reach a savings goal, uh, capital makes this little app explosion that shows that I, I achieved what I wanted. And those things are great. Uh, yeah. And I love seeing them grow. It's incredibly exciting to me to see that I funded the things that are meaningful to me. Um, and, and again, it, it's something that you kind of just play with and figure out, is this something that works for me? And if it does, I think you can go to town with it. Sinking funds to me are the most liberating, exciting parts of my budget. Well, see, I like this for a few reasons. One, because I think somebody that might be hesitant to do a budget, the idea of budgeting as a restriction or a diet, but when you talk about these sinking funds and really like hashing out goals and not just retirement, right? Because so many people don't even, you know, what is retirement? They don't even know. I mean, COVID is kind of an interesting thing because it gave people an idea of what retirement might look like. But talking about things, I think so often, you know, we're better at saying, hey, like in three years or in two years, I want to do these kitchen cabinets as opposed to, hey, I want to spend three grand next month, right? I got a contractor coming over and the guy's like, (laughs) right? But the idea of like, can we put aside $125 a month, which I just did a quick calculation for this $3,000 I want to spend on these cabinets, is a much better conversation to have with a spouse then three grand right now, let's do it, right? So I think that really could help a lot of couples come together on some of these goals of like, yeah, I can live with these cabinets, um, but let's start setting aside some money into the sinking fund. I mean, $125, I could shave that off my target bill, right? <laughs> a couple couple hand towels, a couple like things I throw oh, in the cart we don't need, right? And then I got my kitchen cabinets in 24 months. Yeah. And it gives, it gives you that little enjoyment. Like I'm a big deferred enjoyment person. I don't think many people have that in them, but for some reason, I love the anticipation and it's actually become a huge help in this process of saving for things is that the anticipation of the end result you know, the item I want. I've kind of forced myself to leave things in online shopping carts. I have saved items to buy down the road um, because I know that those things will be there when I'm ready because I'll just have the money and I'll just spend it. And if you can grow an appreciation in yourself for deferred enjoyment or for that discipline, it's a, it's a muscle that has to be exercised. It definitely does not just exist. Right. When you use it the first few times, it's going to be painful and you're going to ache. I know we talked before we started recording on books. Are there any other resources, budgeting or sources that we can also link? Yeah, I think if you are brand new to this and I don't espouse all his philosophy, but Dave Ramsey's Baby Step book is an amazing place to start. 
He, his seven baby steps are tried and true among several well-known financial planners who also turned to him. Um, Jesse Meekum from You Need a Budget, YNAB, has a book that can explain his philosophies. There's four basic steps to YNAB where you actually can get ahead a month of your money and you spend old money versus new money. It's a really fascinating idea. Um, there are a lot of books that help you kind of establish some discipline. And Rachel Cruz, who is Dave Ramsey's daughter, has one that's called Love Your Life, Not Theirs. Just little things to help you understand where you're coming from and what kind of money house you're in um, and what establishes your views on money. And then there's a lot of different books on kind of just this idea that if you want your money to work for you, there's ways to help you in that process. So a lot of times I think you have to kind of find someone who speaks to you. There's a, and then one final one before I forget is there's a woman from a website called Frugal Woods. I can't remember her name, but she encourages a one month or shorter if you can, you know, you need to build up to one month, no spend challenges where you literally can only buy food and basic supplies for 30 days. And that actually can be a huge revelation of how easily we allow ourselves to spend. And it just gives you that window. Um, Jesse Meekum from YNAB had a 30 days, or it might have been longer, 36 days with no restaurant meals. And that was a revelation. I wasn't able to complete it, I'll be honest. Like, I love my eating out. But it's good to remind yourself and look at each little spending moment and give yourself that friction. And I think the no spend challenges and the no restaurant challenges are just wake up calls. So I do recommend like she Frugal Woods does have a book, um, Jesse Meekum's book we mentioned, just different ways to come into it. And then, like I say, I listen to all their podcasts to just remind myself. Because it's never, it's never a permanent thing. I think you do need to evolve with your family's changing expenses and, and financial moments. So you look for different people um, who may appeal to you. So if you're starting out, maybe Dave Ramsey is a good spot to start. If you're moving along into higher financial numbers, um, that's where YNAB and personal capital and some of these others may resonate more. So I think find who your, your tribe is and then there's so many resources, both online and otherwise, to help you with this process and to learn it. It's, it's not easy, but I think it is doable. So I encourage people to really take a, another look at it, but from a joyful, this is going to make my life better perspective versus yeah. this is going to make my life harder. I like that. And find one that is fun for you or that you really enjoy and then read more from them, find their podcast, find their blog, find their newsletter, and really, you know, something that resonates with you and you think you're going to be able to follow. I love that advice. So I will link those um, in the show notes. And then um, definitely I will um, also link, um, there will be a blog that, or I guess it's actually a vlog, a video vlog. I did a little piece on just kind of um, getting rid of auto drafts. Yes. One. I oh my gosh. Out the hard way because we changed our banking and we had everything linked to our one credit card, as I mentioned that we used. And I found out that like, I don't know, I was paying for like a Weight Watchers app, which wasn't using. And I didn't realize it was an auto renew. So 
There are all sorts of things and they make it very difficult oh, yes. to unsubscribe to some of these auto renew and auto ships. Like there were certain things I was deferring every month, but like to actually unsubscribe. So you'll see me struggle through the unsubscribe process. And I'll link that in the show notes too, because I think that's a really important part for people who are struggling every month with their budget to just eliminate those things that are automatically going out that you're not using or you really don't need anymore. So that is an excellent point because they do make it so difficult. And that's where if you, for me, at least I have had to do the same practice because of a change in banking. It was shocking how difficult they made it. So I really appreciate that you're doing that and explaining that. Thank you so much, Karen. I really appreciate you coming back on and sharing your wisdom with us. And we'll probably have you on again, because I'm sure you're just <laughs> going to keep evolving with this process as new technology comes out and they keep you know, making it harder for us to keep our money in our pockets. You're going to keep coming up with ways and who knows, maybe write a book. I would, I feel like there might be a financial book coming from Karen Divis and we will be uh, the first to promote it here on the weekly money wisdom podcast. So stay tuned. So I appreciate uh, all the support. Definitely. Well, we'll, whatever your next project is, we'll have you back to promote it. So awesome. Thank you so much. You can access our first two seasons of this podcast on our website at www.pearlplan.com or on Spotify. If you're interested in learning more about Pearl Planning, feel free to sign up for our newsletter, also found on our website.